I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Could you do me a huge favor and go and check out the show's sponsor at monkeygrips.com? That's monkey with two E's. And give them a follow on Instagram at monkeygrip2 as well. They make these awesome rope grips that you can hang from a pull-up bar. And you can do your pull-ups on there and max out your pull-ups, max out your dead hangs. And then you can take them off of there real quick and put them on some dumbbells and do farmer's carries or just static holds to just blow out your grip even further. They also sell cannonball grips, which is about the size of a baseball. And they attach onto the dumbbells and the pull-up bars the exact same way. And they also sell liquid chalk too. So do me a favor and go and check them out. That's monkeygrips.com. On this episode, Garrett Hartman and I do his Death Race Media Challenge. When you sign up for the Death Race, you have to do what they call a media challenge where you get an interview with your newspaper or an interview on a podcast. So him being a longtime listener, I was more than happy to help. I also did one of these interviews with Lisa Gonzalez a few episodes back, so definitely go and check that one out too. If you're interested in death race stuff, I've never done one. I don't know if I would ever do one, but I think that the concept of the death race is very interesting. It's very cool. And the people that go there and do this are bad ass. So I'm always willing to help people achieve this goal. Here's the interview with Garrett Hartman. Garrett Hartman, what's going on today, brother? Um, am ready for the death race. Which is kind of an oxymoron because you can never be fully ready, but hey, I'm doing what I can. Yeah, and, and you reached out to me because, and I've already had uh, one person, Lisa, also uh, do an interview with me because for one of the requirements to be in the death race is you have to have like a local newspaper or you do a podcast interview talking about how you're going to the death race or something like that. It's a requirement or something, right? Yeah. Joe DeSena likes to put out challenges before the death race to make sure people are actually committed to doing it. And one of the classic challenges that seems to be reoccurring is you have to get some sort of publication out there where you're interviewed by someone or you talk with someone while you're doing it. So I guess it's just more publicity for Spartan too. So that's also a bonus for them also, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit and just, uh, you know, tell us where you're from and your age, what you do for a living. I'm from Northeast PA. I'm 25, and right now I work with a company putting together their internet orders, sending them out, getting all that stuff ready. So it's a lot of walking around and lifting heavy things. Right. What company is it? Um, Walmart. Oh, Walmart? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I imagine that, that that business will be there for you. You won't have to worry about them going out of business anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I imagine that's kind of like my brother, he works for a Target distribution center here. And when he first got on, I think he was in either receiving or shipping. I can't remember, but he said it was long hours and you were always on your feet. And like the faster you could get the trucks unloaded, the better. You know what I mean? Is that kind of like what you're doing? Unloading, loading trucks? Kind of. I don't deal with the trucks. I mainly deal with the stores inventory that's already been sorted and processed. So I'm more so dealing with the stuff at that specific location okay so i mean so you're still pretty young i mean did do you have like a did you like do sports back in high school or anything like that yeah i did play volleyball during my last two years of high school um that's probably what got me into sports slash fitness 
I remember not really liking running, but it made me much better at volleyball. So why not? Right. So how did you come to find, you know, Spartan racing or OCR? So even though I did participate in volleyball during my second or no, my last year of high school, I didn't make the team. I still was offered a spot to help out with running practices, doing drills, all of that. Um, and I was like, I did such a great job of getting into shape. Like, I kind of want to get something out of it. And I noticed an advertisement for the Palmerton Sprint that was coming up over the summer. And I'm like, that's a great thing to put my fitness towards. Well, the, if that was your first race, that was a doozy of a first race for sure. Yeah, no, I remember at the starting line, this was back when I believe it was Norm would do race directing. He was talking about how the day before during the super, people were dropping like flies. And I was like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> so how did the race go? It was brutal. It was probably the best experience I could have had for a sprint. Um, I remember going halfway up that first hill being completely gassed because I just wasn't expecting the hills to hit that hard. Um, I got a nasty scar on my leg from the traverse and the rope climb, my grip failed at the very top of the rope, and I just shredded my hands on the way down. Oh, man. Um, they were so bloody, but it was an awesome experience. And I think that was, like, the starting point of me being interested in the endurance stuff because at the end of it, I was just so smoked. But every race after that, I looked for trying to push myself to that point again. And so here you are now. And you're ready to do a death race. Like I said, it's kind of an oxymoron. No one's completely ready, but I'm doing what I can to be prepared and show up firing in all cylinders. And so I imagine you've done, you've probably done all the different distances of races that Spartan has to offer. And I imagine you've done some hurricane heats as well too, right? For the most part, yeah. So um, the following year after that sprint, I did another one. 2018 was when I did the standard trifecta. And 2021 was the year that I dove into a lot of the hurricane heat stuff. Um, so I've done a 12-hour. I've done a 4-hour. I did DNF a 24-hour, which was the one actually held up in Vermont. Um, we can talk more about that if you want to. Yeah, tell us about that. So that was the year that was 2021. I did the Palmerton Hurricane Heat 12-hour. Had an amazing time. Finished that. Did really well. And... I remember at the end of the race, I was sort of like, well, I just completed a 12-hour. Do I want to try for the trifecta? Um, and sure enough, there was a 24-hour that started being advertised for up at Joe's Farm. And I was like, you know what? I may as well go for it. So me and a bunch of other friends decided to do it. But I did not prepare properly for that. Um one of the sayings that I keep in my head is the seven P's. Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. And I <laughs> certainly did not follow that leading up to the 24 hour. I like that. Um, my first strike against me was I had filled one of my water jugs with some of the water from the hotel I was staying at. And I didn't know this at the time, but they were having issues with their water. And oh, it no. wasn't the best water to drink. Um, I would later find that out the year after where they have signs posted, please do not drink the tap water. But at that time, I didn't know that. Um, and then I get to the event, 
they're doing their best to create a little bit of chaos. I remember Tovar telling everyone to take all their items out of their pack, get it sorted on their um, emergency blanket, and then he wanted to make sure everyone had everything. And that sort of frazzled me a little. And then as we started trekking up to Shrek's cabin, I just started vomiting all over the place, presumably from the water that I had drinking from the hotel tap. Mm. And mentally I was not in a good place. And at that point I just called it quits there. But it turned out to be a great experience because one of the staff members who was running that event happened to be going through some similar things that I was going through, not the vomit, but like stuff outside of the race with family issues, um, all of that. And it was really cathartic being able to talk through all that stuff with someone. So I walked away from the event DNFing, but I would not change the fact that I went to it and any of that, it was well worth it. What year was that? That was 2021. 2021. Oh, I think you said that. And so... So after that happened, what did you decide, well, I'm going to try this again? Or where, where was your mindset when you DNF'd after that? Probably, it's hard to say because it was a while ago. But my first sort of thing was like, okay, what went wrong? Why did I get to the point where something like that frazzled me? Um during my first endurance event, I'd actually also vomited as well, but did just fine with recovering and continuing on. And I feel like part of it was my mind was looking for an excuse at the 24 hour because mm-hmm. I was dealing with so many issues outside of the event Right. that as soon as I vomited, my mind sort of formed out like, Hey, this is a great reason to quit here. Um, so what I realized was because I was letting all those issues in my personal life get to me, my bandwidth or rope or whatever you want to call it for dealing with stuff during the event was significantly smaller. So one of the ways to set myself up for success in the future is to do better with managing my personal life. Um, whether that be talking to a therapist or just having a calendar, simple things like that. Yeah, man. I, and I think that's, that says a lot too for you because you said that you vomited at one of your other events and you were able to push through it. When you're vomiting in an event, it just, it brings you down and it's, it's rough to push through it, especially to push through it with, with a passion, you know, to push hard, you know, cause I got really nauseous and sick at the Killington ultra last year. And I pretty much just said, okay, I'm just going to survive this race. And I kind of just, you know, half wittingly finished it. I wasn't pushing myself hard. I was, you know, taking more breaks and I, I probably, you know, should have pushed harder, but I mentally was just already checked out, you know, so I was just taking it easy and was wanting to finish where I, I regret that now. Cause I think I still could have pushed a little harder, but I was in a realm of something that was unknown to me. And like, I started getting nauseous after the first lap. And I was thinking, oh, no, you know, I've got, you know, four plus hours or five hours on this mountain where I can't take in any calories and I've never had to do this before in my life. So part of me wanted to push, but part of me didn't want to, you know, get to a point where I just couldn't hold water down or nothing and have to just tap out. So I decided to just kind of survive it and take it easy 
And, you know, and I finished the race, but I still have regrets about leaving a little bit out there. But, you know, uh, you learn from experiences like that. And now I know that, hey, I can finish half of an ultra on one of the hardest courses on the on the East Coast and do it with pretty much not a lot of calories. So and props to you. That's insane. Yeah, it was it was it was a, a very bad learning experience but it had a had a good outcome you know anytime you finish killington ultra is a good day but you know it was it was bittersweet you know i had some good friends there with me that made it go by a lot easier man if you can if you can find somebody in a bad situation like that and just like you said you know you found somebody there that you talked to it just gets you out of that that mental state of this sucks the whole time you know and it helps you take your mind out of it and you can just enjoy it more instead of just worrying about it the whole time. You know, that's what's so awesome about this community too, I think as well. One of the best tips I can give to people that are looking to do hurricane heats, death race, stuff like that is learn what it takes to get you, learn what it takes to get you out of your own head. Right. Because that happens a lot when you've got hours upon hours on hours of things to do and stuff that sucks. Hmm. Um, and for myself, that's having someone to talk to. So it kind of gets me not to think about the negative things that might be on my mind. Right. I mean, part of me thinks that like, if you're doing say a 12 hour hurricane heat, like you almost don't want to wear a watch. Like the nerd in me would want to track the activity with a watch, but I almost wouldn't want to know like how long I've been doing this. Cause I feel like if you're concentrating on the task at hand, the time would fly by, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I know that a lot of Cryptea don't encourage watches. Some of them are really strict about it, some of them aren't. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said, said, really, I I didn't know that they were, uh, didn't want you to wear watches. It really depends on the Cryptea, because sometimes they want the mystery of the unknown to be part of the task at hand. Mm -hmm. And if you have a watch, it's pretty easy to break that illusion right hmm. um like i said it really depends on the cryptea right but if you're really into stats and all that you can actually sort of go back and trace your steps with google earth or things like that so if you're wanting to know what the mileage was you can always look it up that ways yeah yeah i never thought about that so you've done some peak races that spartan has too right mm-hmm. how did those go 2020 Two, I did the Mount Sparta 24-hour challenge. How was this that? was my first 24-hour trail race, and I did it with a friend. Basically, it's an up and down going from one of the barns on Joe's property to Shark's Cabin and back down, and you do that for 24 hours, and it was a ton of fun. How long is that route to get from the barn up to that cabin? It's a little under a mile one way so round trip it's going to be about 1.8 miles oh well that that would be fun you know because you've got eyes on people probably the whole time you know because it's such a short distance between those two objects i bet that was pretty fun and it was really cool because i got to witness some of the death race unfold in front of me and they don't technically allow spectators but you're kind of a spectator if you are doing the mount sparta challenge and it was just really cool seeing all the different things they'd throw at the competitors. All right. 
So was that one thing too that made you kind of want to try the death race, seeing other people doing it like that? That was definitely a huge factor in me deciding to sign up for the death race this year. But that actually goes back all the way to 2018. Um, so I was doing the regular Spartan trifecta, completed it with the New Jersey Beast, the Greek Peak Sprint, and the Palmerton Super. Um, but then the year didn't really unfold all that well towards the middle. Um, my dad got bit by a rattlesnake. Oh, and no. then I was dealing with my first sort of breakup because I'm 25. So you go back five, six years. So I'm relatively young at that point. Or yeah. a lot of the listeners here, they've dealt with that decades ago. Right. <laughs> um, so between dealing with my dad, go through a really scary health incident like that and that emotional sort of stuff, I wasn't in the best place. And I remember seeing in social media um, posts in real time about people going through the death race and it really inspired me because i saw people going through tasks that i couldn't even fathom and they had such resiliency that it really left a mark on me um so my dad ended up getting better from the snake bite um he's fine now but it was definitely a long road to recovery um and then unfortunately in 2019 i slipped on ice got concussed and that really threw me for a loop. Um, I don't know if you want to talk more about that and how that also leads into the death race. Yeah, sure. So, like I said, mid-February in 2019, I slipped on ice. Um, I went from doing really well with college. I was one credit hour away from making Dean's List to I could barely get through the week. Um, every day was super painful. And I remember thinking about all the things I wanted to say about this, but it's just so emotional that like my brain sort of like jumbled talking about it now. Right. Um, but long story short, it was not a fun experience. And I made the mistake of not seeking out care immediately after the concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I ignorantly thought maybe I'm fine. I'll be okay. But that was a big mistake. And long story short, I ended up getting diagnosed with a concussion about two to three weeks after the fact. And at that point, it completely wrecked my semester for college. Um, I went from doing double-digit long runs to I can't even really get out of bed to order something at McDonald's. Um, I remember around that time, um, I had listened to and read the David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. And I felt invincible before that concussion, but that really shattered me to my core and sort of rocked my world. Mm. Um, Eventually, I did make a comeback and started doing races again. Uh, My first one back was Bonefrog in New Jersey. And then I did the Palmerton Super, the Savage Race that year. But my first marathon back, which was the Wildcat Ridge Romp, I remember after the fact my brain just went haywire i don't know how to describe it but like it felt like the inside of my head was twitching um i would later find out that it's something along the lines of sleep onset myoclonus or whatever Hmm. um but at the time i had no idea and that absolutely freaked me out imagine um so during um i guess i need to go back a little bit 
but during the time that I was still in classes in 2019, um, I was going to group therapy that they had on campus. And I was talking with a therapist along the group that I was in, how I felt like they sort of wasted the ability I did have before I was concussed. Because I remember the New Jersey Ultra seemed like something that I just could never do. That was too hard for me. And now I'm sitting here concussed, realizing just how much potential I really had. And I can't do anything. And I made a promise to myself during that group therapy session that if I can ever run again, I'm doing death race. And the way I like owe it to myself that if I have the physical ability to do it, why would I not push myself to the limits? So that's a long-winded answer to say, like, that's why I'm doing the death race. Have you uh, have you recovered a hundred percent from that concussion, or is it one of those things where you you won't be able to? Oh no, I definitely recovered a hundred percent. Oh good. It did take a very long time though. Um, the twenty four hour Mount Sparta challenge in twenty twenty two was the first race I remember doing with zero pers- zero post exertional malaise, which is basically a feeling of illness or sickness that onsets after exercise. Right. So that was a solid, like, two, three years worth of not quite being 100%. Um, One of the best things I can recommend to people who have had a concussion or might think they've had it is don't delay seeking care. Like, if you think you've hurt your head that bad, go to the ER. Worst they can do is say you're fine, but you'll have a plan of care established with your primary care doctor they'll know that there was concern if anything does pop up that sort of safety net is already there and then if you think you might have hit your head hard enough to concuss yourself like set up an appointment with a therapist now because they generally have week-long month-long waiting time periods and if your head really truly did get impacted your ability to process and regulate emotions is going to be severely impacted. I know immediately after my concussion, like a month or two after the fact, like I was severely depressed Mm. because my brain was just not functioning the way it should. Um, But yeah, no, to speed things up to today, like I'm doing fine. I'm super blessed. I've done a whole bunch of races since where I've had no issues. Like I'm just super thankful that I'm back to my old self. You know, and, and that's really good advice too, because I'm the I'm the same way. Like if I would have fallen and hit my head, but I was walking around, you know, and getting around okay, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm fine. I just hit my head. It'll get better." You know, and us being in this OCR community where everything's about you know, no pain, no gain, beast mode, and all about grit and suffering you know a lot of times i'm sure there's moments where we have injuries where we probably should go and have it checked out but you know we act and perceive ourselves as being tough in this spartan community where really that's a bad thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so yeah, and and that's why i say what you said there was that was really good advice. You know, you've fallen and you have a headache, you probably should get checked out, you know, just to be sure, you know, because who knows that might've 
delaying that care might have set you back a little bit. Oh, definitely. I know for a fact that if I had received care immediately, my recovery would have been a lot shorter, but I delayed it, and that really set me up for a not-so-good recovery. And so I understand you had like a battle with COVID too, right? Unofficially, I don't know because I got really sick in February of 2020. And at that point in time, there was no testing available. Um, So I guess to jump from the concussion to COVID, I was still dealing with concussion issues in February of 2020. But I hadn't really found a neurologist that was super great at that point yet. So it was hard to know what was what. Mm-hmm. And then around early February, I started getting really sick along the lines of an illness. And I remember falling asleep one night, feeling like something is really not right with my body. The next day, I woke up from a really lucid nightmare. And mm-hmm. I could have sworn it looked like there was a demon at the end of my bed. I... I'm not sure if people have seen Doctor Who, but it kind of looked like the Ood, but like a <laughs> demonic form of it. Right. And like that scared the absolute crap out of me, and I tried moving, but I couldn't. Um, likely that was sleep paralysis or something along those lines there. But I remember waking up trying to sit up, and I just couldn't because my body was so weak. When I did eventually have the strength to sit up, I tried walking and fell right back into my bed. Um, I got back up and sort of hobbled my way over to my roommate's room. Um, I knocked on his door and I tried saying something is not right with my body, but I could barely speak. Um, Obviously, if someone opens, if you open your door and someone's like that, you're like, yeah, something's wrong. So um, he took me to the ER. They checked me out. They couldn't find anything other than high blood pressure and low vitamin D levels, which... COVID could have contributed to, but it's unknown since testing wasn't available at that time. Right. Um, But after that period of illness, which took about a month to recover from, I still couldn't do things normally. I noticed that after running, my chest would hurt. um, I'd have breathing issues, and it was just not fun. And then as more and more news came out about COVID, all of the things I was dealing with, lined up with what they were saying COVID can do. Um, Now, there is a psychology thing where people in hindsight will think they have had something even though they didn't. Right. So I hesitate to say for sure it was COVID because there is that um, bias with citing things, but there was definitely something going on that took me forever to recover from. Hmm. Um, And then even if it wasn't COVID, just living through the pandemic itself is a traumatic enough experience I don't think anyone loved the year 2020. Mm. Yeah. One of the good things to come out of 2020, though, was the Beyond Your Limits Zoom calls with Don Devaney. Um, As most people know, Don Devaney is one of the race directors of the Deaf Race. Um, So he had organized a whole bunch of Zoom calls with guests like Cale Poland, DNC Colt, Mike Jones, and a bunch of amazing endurance athletes. And that was really cool because I was living in my college town at that point, and everyone moved away when that two-week lockdown that turned into forever right. was announced. So I was trying to tough it out in my college town, dealing with these health issues from the concussion and whatever illness it was that I had. 
and I was really alone. So the Beyond Your Limits Zoom calls was my sense of community during the first half of 2020. Um, it was my way of chatting with people, socializing, talking about things that I loved. Um, and it was also another way that I learned a lot about the deaf reefs. So even though I've never done one, I have a little bit more insight than most going into it. Hmm. So you're signed up for it. You've done, you're doing your interview now and it's coming up. What is it? June the 30th. Is that when it starts? June 30th is the first official day of the deaf race, but for those like me who signed up for the resiliency course hosted at Norwich University, Mm. um, it's actually going to start the day before. I know the race directors are going to give us crap being like, when you're on the field, this is hour one, yada, 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 but technically for us that signed up for the course, it starts the day before. Right. Yeah, so what have you been doing to prepare for the death race? I've been doing a lot of stair-stepper sessions because we all know Joe's going to take advantage of the mountain in his backyard. Um, I've been doing CrossFit since it's really easy to modify that to various fitness levels. So it doesn't matter whether you're a beast or just the average Joe. You can get in a workout that's going to make you feel like you're going to vomit. Right. Mm. Unfortunately, I have vomited from CrossFit classes, but that's another story. I think that's a normal thing with CrossFit anyway, right? Oh, yeah. My (laughs) coaches say that everyone does it at least once Hmm. so what is your strategy for lasting the entire death race event going back to the seven keys proper preparation prevents piss poor performance um obviously if you show up to the death race without the proper gear list you're setting yourself up for failure um i'm just going to try and follow instructions to achieve go as far as I can with the fitness level that I have and keep myself out of a bad mental funk for as long as I can. Did you make that up, the seven Ps, or did you hear that from somebody? No, that was actually something I heard on the Beyond Your Limits Zoom calls with Don Devaney. Okay. Um, I forget which guest it was that brought it up, but it was something that was repeated throughout a lot of the Zoom calls. That's really clever. I like that. I actually have a whole bunch of notes from those Zoom calls. Because at that point in time, I wasn't back to where I am now in terms of being healthy. But I was like, if I ever get back to that point, I owe it to myself to write down all these notes from the Zoom calls. So that way, I don't forget all these valuable lessons that are being taught. Hmm. Like, so so talking about this, you've taken all these notes and you've been training and preparing. How do you feel being a, a, a little less than a month out from the death race? Do you feel like you've done everything according to the task or are you just going to go and see how it turns out? Um, I still have to finish up some of my challenges. I'll be wrapping up my other two pre-race challenges today, submitting them to the person that they need to be submitted to. Um, and then when the link for this gets posted, I'll submit that. I did misread one of the challenges I think I mentioned this to you. Right. But I was having trouble finding an outlet to get an interview for to talk about the deaf race. So I saw on the FAQ page of the deaf race, it was talking about how there's different things that will be required. And after they mentioned newspaper and one of the sentences, it said, or 15 mile log carry. <laughs> I thought that was their clever way of being like, oh, hey, if you do a 15-mile log carry, you can get out of the newspaper media challenge thing. 
So I did a 15-mile log <laughs> carry only to get an email back from the person saying, nope, that's not what we meant by that. You need to follow the email to OT. No. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one great way to prepare for the death race. I would so. say so. That was a long, long log carry for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually know Andy a little bit, and I reached out to her, and I told her that me and you were going to have a chat, and I asked her to give me some questions to ask you. And so I'm going to go over those here, and you, we've probably gone over a little bit of this already. But her first question was, what makes you believe you are capable to finish? Probably all the hardships that I've gone through have tested my mind and shown me how I react. So going into death race, I know it's going to be another quote-unquote... I don't mean to that. Going into death race, I know it's going to be another season of suffering, but through all the lessons I've learned from the concussion, um, some of the hurricane heats and endurance events I've done, I feel like I know or better know how to pull myself out of a rut that they're going to try and put me in. Right. So her next question is, what would cause you to tap out? I feel like that's kind of like a trick question because if you tell them that, they might try to uh, put you into that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've definitely been thinking about that, and I was conscious going into this that they're going to probably be scouring social media posts, getting a good idea of personality and all that, but I'm conscious of this answer and knowing that they would know at some point but I hate new movements, which is one of the reasons why CrossFit is so great, because there's always something new to learn. Right. Like, my perception of how my body is moving versus how it actually is moving is not that great. Like, I could do a squat and not realize my knees are pointed out or in too much. Or if I'm running, I just don't realize my ankles swerving a little um, instead of staying straight. Right. Okay. So if there's like, oh, I guess to get more entitled, that answers things. If they're looking for strict form things like planks or whatever, like just something that it's hard for me to know how exactly my body's moving, that's probably going to be the downfall. Hmm. I wouldn't think there'd be anything like that, but you never know. Um, One hurricane heat that I did not participate in, so I don't know how it went. Um, there was a 15 minute plank and it was supposed to be proper form and all that. I never did that hurricane heat, but I wouldn't know how my body would react to that. So who the hell can do a 15 minute plank though? You know what I mean? Um, toe bar can. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I wonder if it's one of those things like you did 15 minutes of accumulative planking, but every time you come out of posture or hit the ground, I wonder if you had to do like 15 burpees or something like that, you know? I wasn't there, so I don't know. um, (laughs) Hopefully that answers my question, or your Andy's question. Yeah. Uh, Her next question is, and we've kind of already gone over this a little bit, what have you done in training to prepare for the grit and determination to get through the tough parts of the event? 
I find that doing stair stepper sessions and a whole bunch of things where I'm just doing the same thing over again trains me on getting myself into a mindset where I can just grind things out. Um, the death race can easily go over 72 hours, which is a really insane task. But when you focus on whatever's at hand and just keep grinding it out, slowly but surely those seconds pass by. Right. And then her last question is, what have you done to train yourself to be awake for all night long? This wasn't intentional, but during my recent 50-miler, I accidentally only got two hours sleep before the race. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I did a 50-miler on very little sleep, and then I'll often get workouts in after work where my body's already tired, and then I have to deal with the demands of a workout. Um, this past November, I did volunteer for overnight shifts at my job, so that gave me a decent understanding of how my body reacts to having the sleep cycle disrupted. And honestly, I feel like the best thing you can do to prepare for 72 hours of no sleep is get your body used to 24-hour cycles where you're not sleeping. Granted, that's not the healthiest thing to do, but if you have 24-hour events in your area, it would behoove of you to do those events and get your body used to it. Yeah, and I I used to work 12 hours at night, too, so I feel you there, you know, because I'm I'm divorced for a long time now. But when I was married, she was on day shift, and I was on 12 hours at night. So when I would work two days on and then two days off, but when it would come to my two days off, I would stay up all day, and then I would be ready to go to bed with her, and be back on a regular day shift schedule. So changing up the, the schedules at work, that's actually a good idea because it was it, it would be tough a lot of times, for sure. So I have one more question about the death race. And, well, actually, I got a couple. So what are you doing? I know they've probably sent you a gear list already by now, but what is your plan on, like, fueling for the race? I have foods and notes from previous events that I've done that I know work well. So I'm going to stockpile a bunch of that. But I'm also going to test things out over the next few weekends before the death race to see, hey, does it still work? Will this new food be a good idea to add into my diet? Um, it's a little hard for me because I've never gone past 24 hours. So I don't know what sort of hunger pains I might face during day two or day three if I get to those points, which I hope I do, but it's something I just feel like it's better to not overthink, just pack the amount of calories I think I'm going to burn. And if I fail because I didn't pack enough, that's a lesson I know going into next year's event. So have they given you the gear list already? They have, but at the end, it seems like they don't want people publicly talking about it. Right. At least yet. Okay. Um, I can tell you there's some interesting items on there. And if you interview someone that finishes the death race, um, after the event happens, you definitely need to ask them about that gear list. Um, but I think it's possible. I don't look at it and think impossible. I think I look at it and think it's very much possible. You just have to be on top of things. Right. So you can't tell me what's on the gear list and I understand 
But do, is there like a limitation to like how much stuff you can bring? Do they say, well, you can bring a container that's this size and you can put whatever you want in it? Like what's the, uh, what's the rules on that? They definitely have items they do not want you to bring, which line up with a lot of previous death races on stuff that you're not allowed to bring. Um, a lot of things do fall in line with previous death races, so nothing too crazy different, but um, I'm trying not to spill the beans on what's on there in case I'm reading it accurately and they don't want people talking about the year list publicly. Um, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question. No, I, but my curiosity is, is like, you know, as far as like taking fuel and taking water, can you like take this big ass tote, just slam full of stuff? Or do they have like a restriction of you can only bring a container that's this size of like all your, you know, food or change of clothes or, you know, whatever. Does yes answer your question? <laughs> Okay, okay. So they probably don't want you to tell any of that anyway, too. Yeah, no, I distinctly recall from the Zoom calls back before the 2020 death race was canceled, they were adamant that people do not talk about okay. the specifics of the race. And I'm just playing it safe here in case the end of gotcha. that email is what I think it is. Okay, well, I didn't know that. I was just, I just wasn't, I, I just, you know, just kind of getting an idea of how, like, this event goes, you know what I mean? That's why um, I was kind of curious. There's definitely going to be quote-unquote points where you can refuel. Right. So. All right, cool. So, um, dude, is there anything you want to add to, like, the death race event, you know? Because I, I've, um, I'm about out of questions about the event itself. Did I leave anything out? Not really. Okay. I just hope that I can go beyond my limits at this race. I would hate for some stupid checkpoint or right. pack to cut me from the event and then I have a lot left in the tank that I can't actually use um, I hope that my attempt at the death race inspires people because I know back when I was concussed and dealing with a lot of issues hearing people that went through what I was going through and came out on their side was super inspirational so even if I can inspire one person just by chatting with you about how far I've come it would be such a blessing. Now, I know that a, a bunch of people that have done the race, you know, they're always going to tell you you're not going to make it, you know, you're out. But I've always heard, like, even if they tell you that, if you hang around and you're still there, they might, you know, how they're they're all the times doing mind games with you. So you, the, I think like the goal is you want to stay positive and even when they tell you you're not going to make it and you're not in it, you need to still act like you are. Mm -hmm. you know? From the words of Don Devaney himself during the Beyond Your Limits Zoom calls, until you're boarding your plane to go back home, you're still possibly in. Yeah, see, those mind games, you know. Because my buddy Jason, I think like... He, they had a team thing when he was there and they didn't make it. And then they told him they were out and he thought they really were out. And then they moved some pizza oven or something from one house to another house and come to find out they moved it to the wrong house and then they had to move it somewhere else or something like that. And they let them back in for a little while or something like that. You know, that sounds about right. Yeah. It sounds about right. You know, but well, 
Garrett, man, I'm out of questions, but everybody that I bring on the show, I always ask them the same questions. So to this day, out of all the races or events that you've done, what's been your most favorite one and why? In terms of endurance events, I would have to say the Palmerton 12-hour Class 76. That's my favorite endurance event to date. I went into that not knowing if I could finish, but knowing that I was going to give it my all. Um, and just all the challenges they put us through were so crazy. Um, the hardest part of that event was they had us carry makeshift arcs up the double black diamond, which they're notorious for using for the sandbag carry. Right. And all of our calves were cramping up so bad. That was such a fun time. Mm. That was 2021, right? Yeah. 2021 Mm. was class 76. Mm. So what was, I know because I, I raced that year and I think I saw a picture where y'all had the, the sandbag carry where they had the helmet in the background. I think I saw that picture. So that's why I remembered that that was that year, mm-hmm. but that was a, that was a fun race that year. And I know a lot of people were bummed because that was the first year ever they had taken the sandbag off of that hill, but I actually thought that that was a great race. Because at the beginning of that race, you ran from the start line and you crested the top of the mountain going up that incline. You always carry the sandbag on. And I just thought, man, this is tough. You know, a lot of people were bitching because they took the sandbag off that hill. But when you were racing all the way to the top and you had to crest one of the steepest parts of that mountain at the very end of that climb, it was it was tough and me and a couple of guys that I know we were kind of right beside each other you know chatting and just we were I mean even though we were in race mode I mean we were still just we were talking about the Conor McGregor fight because the night before was the night that he had broken his shin you know making that kick and we were talking about that fight going up the mountain and it was just it was just good memories that was a fun weekend and I remember and there you go talking about how chatting with friends is a great way to get yourself out of a mental funk yeah Absolutely. So, um, my next question is, is what's been your least favorite event and why? Probably my least favorite. It was a regular Spartan race, but it still had that endurance grit factor just with everything going on. Um, but the 2018 Palmerton super, cause that was a, about a week or two after my dad got bit by a rattlesnake and all that stuff was going down. So, I had all that stuff floating around in my head during the race. And that year they had the double sandbag carry. Mm-hmm. Man, that was intense. But that feeling of accomplishment I got from finishing that sandbag carry was so worth it. Yeah, because that was the last year that they had the double sandbag carry, if I remember right. And uh, I think they, uh, they got a... Yeah, yeah, 2018, because they, they caught a lot of crap because they ran out of sandbags and all the age group heats hadn't made it through yet, so people were having to wait for sandbags. So I think that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for double sandbags, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if that was it. Yeah, because I remember we had a race in Asheville, and it was this was before 
you know, age group. It was 2017, and it was still a series race. And we got there, and it was a double sandbag carry. And they had, they didn't nearly have enough sandbags. And we were halfway going up this hill with double sandbags, and all of a sudden, this guy just comes blasting around everybody, and he's got one sandbag. And everybody's, like, getting pissed off about it. And uh, the guy's like, the volunteer told me to. They're running out of bags. And everybody just started dropping their bags <laughs> and just taking one. And But a lot of people were carrying two because they didn't want to get penalized for you not completing the obstacle the way you were supposed to. Yeah, maybe they should have sent out a volunteer to let them know, hey, we changed the rules. Yeah, it was that was that was bad man that you was can really only bad you imagine the death scares that guy got oh golly man he was getting it too but see this was like one of those series races so like Atkins was there you know and all those guys has already made it through you know with their double sandbags so they didn't have to worry about it anyway <laughs> so um yeah so my next question is is before your events what is your race ritual? Like, what do you do Friday night? Do you have like certain supplements or food that you take in that you, before the race on Saturday, what do you do Saturday morning before the race? Like, what is your race ritual? The week leading up, I try and eat smart. Obviously nothing that's going to completely throw my race. I found that events that happen later on in the day, if I eat a Caesar salad beforehand, that works really well with my stomach. Um, if it's super early in the morning, I'll generally do a bagel with butter. And that's really about it. Well, do you have any like superstitions about the race? Like you have to do this every time before the race. It's like, you know. Not really. Um, just following the instructions they give, getting stuff ready so you don't deal with random headaches that happen. Right. Um, I remember one year during a Spartan race at Palmish, and I forget which year specifically, but I was running a little late that morning because I wasn't prepared. Mm. They gave me the wrong packet thing, so I was doing age group, but they didn't have the age group stuff in there. So I had to sort that out, run back, run forth. I could have easily avoided that if I had just been prepared the day before. Oh, man. That sounds like a nightmare. Well... Garrett, man, I'm all out of questions, man. Is there anything I missed that we didn't get go over, man, that you want to include here? I don't think so. Um, all the points that they wanted me to hit on for the news outlet challenge, we've hit on. So, I guess, and I guess that's pretty much everything. Um, I will mention, I have tried the monkey grips. Oh, cool, that man! Talking about at the start of some of your podcasts and those are definitely going to help out a lot with training for the Killington Ultra. I tried them this weekend for the first time since they had just come in. I can easily get a one minute, 30 second dead hang. But when I try hanging from those ropes, um, the ones I have are the red, white and blue, which are their harder version. Right. I could barely get five seconds. So I'm definitely going to have to hit them up or hit the ropes up more and more to, get my grip ready for that different grip that they have under the bridge. Yeah. See, and, and that was something like we didn't have that obstacle last year 
but I'm wondering it's if if we didn't have it last year because they were working on that one lodge up from it, and so we started the race was at a different lodge, the lodge that's at Bear Mountain, I believe. So mm-hmm. now that they finished construction of you know the main lodge, I wonder if we'll be back over there and we'll have that obstacle again under the bridge, because you're right, those rope grips are perfect for practicing that Tarzan swing underneath the bridge at Killington. And Rumor I has it the call was made by the venue. It wasn't a Spartan decision. So I would think Spartan, if they can agree with the venue to have that obstacle, will always have that obstacle because everyone loves it. It is. Um, it, and it makes that venue unique, but it's kind of like, you know, having a hanger at Palmerton, you know, it's one of those obstacles that's just really cool to have. And one of the benefits of having my own gym equipment with the monkey grips is I can put water on it and not be a jerk at the gym because I'm not getting other people's equipment wet. Instead, it's my own thing and I can do with it what I want. So like I can just take a water bottle, dump a little bit of water on it to simulate a somewhat wet grip. Right. Yep, because those ropes are never dry at Killington. Maybe towards the end they're drier, but yeah. the start they are definitely not. And and a lot of times it it's not it's always definitely harder on the second lap. I can I never have any problems doing it on the first lap. It's the second lap when you're fatigued and when you're tired. I can make it all the way to the last rope, but usually I can't get that swing in order to hit the bell because they always put that bell super high on that obstacle, you know. Yeah, you have to go under that final rope with momentum. Yes, you actually you have to. But that's that's always the obstacle at Killington that eats me on the second uh, the second lap is that that bridge obstacle for sure. It'll be interesting to see where they put the penalty this year because it's not going to be a burpee pit anymore for age group. Yeah, well, you know, I think we had to do that extra little swim the last time we was there. You had to swim a penalty loop. I don't think you had to do burpees. You just had to swim a little that's bit far, further. Yeah. So that's probably what they'll do, I imagine, there. You know, and I, I think that having the penalty loops will actually make that race a little easier. Yes, you're having to run more distance, but I think running a little – I'd rather go an extra quarter of a mile than have to do 30 burpees, you know what I mean? Just because the yeah. burpees just take so much out of you. And they can bring on cramps a lot faster, too. Yeah. Not so fun fact about the Killington Ultra. I've never made it to the second lap. But that was the one time I did run into you at a race. Oh, really? Yeah, I was trying to finish my first lap. I had missed the first time cut off by a bit. But you went sailing past me on one of the uphills. Hmm. It was a 20... Yeah, 2019 Killington Ultra. That was was the year that it was super rainy, cold. That was a tough race. It was so, yeah, it was cold, especially at the top when you went over Stairway to Sparta, and that wind was just cutting through you. It was bad, and all I packed was a sleeveless shirt, man. (laughs) it, it, it It was pretty rough, you know. But uh, I'm surprised I was still running uphills on the second lap because usually I'm not at Killington <laughs> on the second lap. Yeah, 
been uh, some of the best type two fun. Absolutely, man. To me, Killington, and I've always heard Owl's Head in Canada was a harder ultra, you know, but to me, that Killington is the race that scares me the most because it's always the one that I don't know if I'm going to finish it every time I tow that starting line, you know, because a bad yeah, day. completed the Killington Ultra a few times, so I think maybe you should dip your head into the 12-hour hurricane heats. <laughs> Man, I... I need to do a hurricane heat and I, and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a four hour first. I'm not just going to jump right into a 12 hour. I'll do one of the shorter ones first, but it's going to be one of those things where I have a couple of friends there so we can sit there and like bust each other's balls the whole time we're doing it. I think that that would be kind of like more like a party event and something like I'm not just going there to just crush myself, you know, (laughs) try not to heckle the cryptia too much. Otherwise it might give you some penalties. Oh yeah. I definitely probably wouldn't do that too much. It'd probably just be be me and my buddy, Michael, just giving each other shit the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Garrett, man, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us this, man, and I wish you all the luck in the world going into this event, man, and hopefully that uh, the rest of your training this month will pay off. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Um, Yeah, I've listened to your podcast since, like, 2018, 2019, so to actually be on it is super cool, talking about a death priest, what I've overcome. Hopefully it inspires someone, and it'll definitely fulfill the media requirement, and I guess that's all I really have to say. Hey, man, I appreciate it, Garrett. Hey, good luck to you. It's been a great time. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Garrett again for taking time to talk to us. Uh, thanks for uh, everybody that's reached out to me about my ankle. I'm still not running yet, but we were in Daytona Beach for vacation last week, and the resort I stay in down there is like a 25-floor resort, so... I couldn't run on, I usually do like this long run where I go run across all the bridges down there in Florida and I wasn't able to do that because I can't run yet. So I was able to do some stair work and so I was hitting stairs every day and it was 25 stories so I was getting a lot of stair work in and I don't know if it was helping my ankle loosen up but going upstairs doesn't bother it much. But walking it still was, but towards the end of the week, I could just tell that it healed up like a lot better. And um, I'm walking with just a little bit of pain. And I'm thinking like this weekend, I may try to do like a really, really short run and just see if maybe I can get a run in. Um, But thanks for everybody that's reached out and asked about it. Uh, My next race will be Palmerton. I don't know if I'll be a hundred percent there, but I'm still going to go and I'm still going to race. And it may be one of those things where I just have to take it easy. So if that's what I have to do, that's what I'll do. Um, I love that venue. It's always fun talking to Garrett about it made me excited about going there. Um, my buddy Mitch from United Kingdom that I talked to Mitch and Matt Roberts that I interviewed with, uh, primal fitness, they uh, told me that they're planning on showing up there, so I'm really looking forward to hanging out with those guys as well. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see you at next race. Peace. Peace.